Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and ever. Stand with me if you would. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We are elated that you're in the presence of God and spending that time with us. If you would open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. What was on my heart is unshakable joy. How many of you guys really enjoyed Pastor Mike's sermon last week? Left encouraged, right? So it challenged me. I thought, if there's a whole lot of shaking going on, some by God, some by man, then maybe I need to make sure that I have a joy that is unshakable. You know what I mean? Does God, can I really obtain that? Or is this like Mariah Carey says, it's just a sweet, sweet bit. No, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. You know? No, I don't believe it's just a sweet, sweet fantasy. I believe that we can obtain it, but it's through Christ. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say, rejoice. You ever been around one of those people like that? They just rejoice no matter. It makes you mad, doesn't it? You're like, I need that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Illuminate our hearts with your spirit as the word is preached, God. Encourage us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad you're here. Thank you for whatever device you're streaming by. We want to let you know we love you and we care about you. Thank you guys so, so very much. This last week, of course, you can just watch the news and know that there's all kinds of things being shaken up all everywhere. And we know that God will do that from time to time. That he'll put us in situations that are not necessarily bad. They'll expand us and they'll grow us, but still, nonetheless, they'll shake us a little bit. And in the midst of that, whenever we grow and we stretch, which is not always fun, we know that can we have joy in that moment. And not just joy that's fleeting. Not just happiness that I'm happy one minute and I'm sad the next. But this joy that's so deep down, it almost makes you feel guilty for having it. You know what I mean? You're going through something tough. You're going through something that you haven't experienced before. And you've got this overwhelming sense that God is going to walk you through it. And He's going to be there. And whatever happens to you, God can use that in your life to make you stronger. Amen? All right, now don't get quiet on me now. Help me out, okay? So we see this. So what do we, where do we park ourselves at the beginning? As I was praying about this, it's very simple. It's, you, we ultimately know that we're in the hands of a God that is unshakable. Okay? It is a God that's unshakable. Now, I know that many of us are in church, and we already know this. But for some that might be doubting it, that is not what the Bible says. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is in charge of eternity, and He will be there whenever we reign with Him. Amen? He is unshakable. Man's plans didn't get him here. Man's plans can't take him away. Salvation is forever. Amen? And that's good, good news. Nehemiah talks about it in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. They have just built the walls of Jerusalem, and it's a very unique situation. It always encourages me because I think it's a story that's so applicable today. Because in one hand they have a trowel, and the other hand they have a sword. They're building and they're defending. They're building and they're defending. And that's what God's called us to do. In one hand we build the kingdom of God, and the other we have the word of God, and we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we see what God won't do. The wall's being built, the stones are erected, and these type of things, and they're inside, and they have the law in front of them. Ezra, the priest, begins to read it, and people begin to weep and begin to mourn. 
And you can just imagine the situation after such a task of these great walls being built. I'm sure there was fatigue. I'm sure there was times that, well, I know that there was times that they got in skirmishes and people tried to stop them. But you know what? You can't stop God's plan, can you? Once he puts it into motion, we keep walking with him. They begin to read the book of the law and people begin to weep and begin to mourn. Nehemiah says, wait a second. He says, this is not the day to mourn, but this is the day to celebrate. And he believed that God had the joy. That wasn't just an ordinary joy that we got from completing, that we get from completing a task or doing something nice or seeing somebody have a good day. But he says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the Old Testament, we see that there's something about the joy, that it's a, it's, it's a situation where we gain our strength from that we almost can't explain, but it's from an unshakable God. In Luke chapter 2, the angels declare as Christ is being born, Behold, today, don't be afraid, because we have good news of what? Great joy. Even in Christ was here to bring joy. Then we see in John chapter 15, verse 11. We see that Jesus is speaking and he says these things. Now, what he's talking about simply is that if you abide in me and I in you, then you're in a good place. (laughs) That you have to do that. That means what I tell you, you actually go do. It's salvation with transformation. Okay, transformation always follows salvation. It's the walk that we have. And he says these things, and he's referring to what he just spoke about, about being in him and living in him. And he says, these things I have spoken to you, that you may, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So we know that there's a God that loves us, that has unshakable joy. We know that it can be our strength. And then the question is, that can it be in us? And Christ says, yes, I want my joy that's in me, which is unshakable, to be in you. And I don't want it just to be a mere speck in your life, but I want you to be full of this unshakable joy. And that's good news. But we go back to the unshakable God that we believe in. And then we see that Christ has reserved a place. So we know that there is a God. We know that he's made available for us. And it not only can be a part of our life, but it can be in us and very much a part of who we are. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. And I believe this is where it gets even better. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ God. When Christ who is in your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So the same God that gives us that unshakable joy is the same God that says, you're not only going to receive it on earth, it's not only going to be in you, you're not only going to be full of it, but there will be one day whenever we die, whether we meet Christ in the air or we take our last breath on earth, we will be with him and that unshakable joy and eternity and glory in heaven. So he's made it available, but it's what? It's all based off that unshakable God. It's that ultimate understanding that we have to be in God. That the joy that we're looking for in the community and in the world that is being shaken is only found in God, our Lord. And it's worth fighting for, isn't it? It's worth getting rid of things. It's worth taking care of business. My wife was telling me about a text conversation she was having with my daughter and Michaela. They were home together, and my wife was at work, and I was at work, and my, my niece is 22 years old, and they were there um, eating pizza and doing whatever girls do. I don't know all that stuff, but they were making bracelets and all kinds of stuff. My wife got a text from my daughter says, there's a bug in the house. There's a bug in the dog bed. My wife was like, go kill it. She said, no, I ain't going to go kill the bug. So this is what she's communicating in text. She goes, go kill the bug. And she said, no, it's a scorpion. Oh, yeah. 
She said, I, I want it killed. I want it out of my house. Get rid of it. So Michaela and Callie do the logical thing. They just go over there, take dog bed and all, and throw it out the back door and shut the door. <laughs> Mary comes home. She goes, did y'all get rid of it? They're like, yeah, it's out on the back patio. <laughs> so Mary goes out there, and she does the motherly thing, and she flips that dude upside down and squashes the scorpion, and she comes back in, and her and Callie continue to talk. And Callie's like, Dad, Mom, are you sure it's dead? I want it to be dead. And Mom's like, I'm pretty sure I squashed it into the ground. Well, Nana Karen taught me that you have to smash the head. Don't you just love it, grandparents, whenever you teach the grandkids something and they start teaching the parents about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, she taught me you had to squash the head and make sure that it was dead, dead. Mary looked at her and said, Callie, it's dead, dead. I was chuckling about that story and laughing, but as I was thinking about this, about this unshakable joy that I want in my life, I think about the scorpion in the dog bed. God, anything that would intervene, anything that would take this unshakable joy out of my life, that could creep into my life or that I could let in, let me take all risks that I can and throw it out the door and anything that's attached to it. And this is the good thing. Just like Mary came back in and shook that dog bed off and put it back in the house, you get rid of something out of your life, God's a good God. If it wasn't connected to that, he'll make sure you replace it. But our hearts should be God. Anything, I don't want to take any chances on this. And kind of like they put it, let's make it dead, dead. <laughs> Those things that would get in our way of having that unshakable joy in our life, whatever it is, God, that hurts the faith. Now, Paul is writing here, and there's some things that we can do to make sure we establish this unshakable faith in our life. Paul is writing here, so turn to Philippians chapter 1, if you will, Philippians chapter 1. And here Paul is writing to his friends, he's, he's writing to the Philippians and he's pleading his case, but he is so stuck on joy and it's encouraging. But the first thing that I see that will help us establish what we need is an unshake, excuse me, is an unshakable, being around unshakable people. Paul is writing in Philippians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These were some people who were committed. They were unshakable people because they were in the unshakable God. They had let Christ live in them. They hid themselves in Christ. And they were unshakable. And he says, listen, you've been here from the first day until now. Before all that, in the opening scriptures, he says, listen, I'm going to write to some saints. Do we have any saints in the house this morning? Yeah, we got them all the way around. And he said, I'm going to write to the overseers and the deacons. See, what he was saying is there's some people at the church and you've surrounded yourself with some of these people that have been chosen, that have been brought up to the top, that has this faith that's real and legit and they've surrendered their life. And if you want to take that unshakable joy and say, I want it to be implemented in my life in every way, can I tell you, get around some people that have been there and done that. Get around some people in your life that you know have been committed to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been around and seen some things and they've done some things. They've got the t-shirt that says, been there, done that. And we listen to them and we visit with them. And what we'll find is that they'll encourage us and lift us up. Paul is writing to some people that are unshakable. And I thank God that we have some people at our church that have that unshakable faith. No, you're not perfect. No, you haven't done everything right. But you know that God is in your life and you're committed 100%. Thank you that we get to surround ourselves with people like you. Because we're going to be better for it. And that unshakable joy, when everything else is sinking sand, 
And I don't understand why I believe that God can do it. I don't understand why I still have hope. I don't understand why my faith still rises. It's because I have that unshakable joy that what God, what Satan meant to destroy me with, God will turn into good. So why do we want to be around these unshakable people? Well, one of the things is that unshakable people, they have a great knack on addressing broken relationships. People who understand that the gospel is the most important thing. People who understand that, hey, people don't always get things right. Whenever relationships break, they want to try to mend them back. Now, it's really hard to do that. Not everybody wants it. Once a bridge has been burned, a lot of times it's just better to leave it there. Let's not reconstruct it for right now. Give it time. But after time, then we say, okay, God, let's rebuild this relationship. It's hard to be in partnership with somebody when you don't have a relationship with them. Paul wasn't just writing to people that he didn't know. He'd gone down there and he said, listen, you've been with me from the beginning. And you can't tell me that all those people were perfect, especially in Philippi. There would have been a lot of issues that they had to deal with. There would have been a lot of situations. A lot of soldiers were settling in that area. A lot of things that they were dealing with that was contrary to what Paul was teaching them, but he didn't give up on them. He said, listen, I know that you guys are committed, and we're going to be committed together. Work on those broken relationships. They're not easy. But this is what I've learned. Some of, the, some, of the, some of the people that's been in Christianity so long and have experience under their belt, they're going to tell you one thing, that you can't buy a true relationship. That's not one thing that you can buy and you'll want it. Go back. Don't let the petty small things that could make a crack in the dam, don't let that sit there and get bigger and bigger, but go address it. Reestablish those relationships and be unshakable. Unshakable people, the reason why we want those guys around us is because they tend to fight division. We live in a world today that it's not very hard to find something to be divided over. Race, we can be divided over money, the haves, the have-nots. We can be divided over politics, over religion, and over all these different things. But we've got to strive to not be divided. Paul is writing here in Philippians chapter 2. And he's writing to these guys, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And this is how he starts his second part of the letter. Complete my joy. So Paul is pleading to them. He's saying, listen, this is my joy. This is what brings me joy. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. have written two-thirds of the New Testament. He's got a resume that shows that he truly is Apostle. And he says, listen, complete my joy. This is very important to me. By being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. People who are not shaky, people who have that unshakable joy, and people who have that firm foundation make up their mind that let's see how we can bring unity to this situation. Not just for the sake of unity. I am not going to go up and take things that the Word of God teaches me and toss them out the window so somebody can be, so me and somebody can be nice to one another. Does that make sense? I'm still going to keep a firm foundation. I'm going to keep a firm line drawn in the sand that this is what the Word of God says. This is what the Holy Spirit has spoke to me and you're the same way however there are great ways to do that and there are very bad ways to do that and you keep unity at all costs and finally it also helps us when you're around these people who are not shaky man they really seem amazing at, at resolving conflict they're not there to prove themselves right or wrong they're there to get an answer they're there to work through that unresolved conflict and saying how can we do this i was doing some marriage counseling for a couple a little while back, and I was so proud of them. 
Not only did they show up the first day, but they showed up the second day. How many of you guys would like some of your employees? I won't go there. I won't go there. Okay. <laughs> the second day, I was so proud of them. And I was so proud of them because we had a very hard conversation that first day during marriage counseling about some things. And, I say, and they said, we, we're going to come back tomorrow. And I said, that's great. And they sat down. And as soon as that young lady walked in the office, I was so proud of her. She said, Matt, you said a lot of things that brought up a lot of things in my past. And I went home and I prayed about it. And I thought, I need to confront these things so I don't drag them into this next relationship. So I can really be free from the wounds. So I can be all that I can be, the best mom and the best wife that I can be in this relationship. And you know, that's what happens with people who are saying, listen, I serve an unshakable God, and I want to be around people who are unshakable, but i got to have that joy. How hard is it to confront something in your life? How, how, confront something in your past that meant to destroy you, or something in your past that you know that you did. Anybody's ever done something stupid? Oh, those are the hardest ones to get over, aren't they? Oh, and some of you guys are smiling and looking at your husband. <laughs> hey, go easy, go easy. Somebody's... <laughs> But with that unresolved conflict, and I was so proud of her because whenever we face those things in our life, we see that we're becoming those people who are unshakable, that are committed, that knows that God will not leave us on the ship by ourselves out to sea, but he is there with us, and he'll help us navigate the waters and get us back to wholeness, amen? And Paul is saying, listen, I'm writing to some people who are unshakable. As we continue, we see that Paul's saying, listen, we have to have that unshakable truth in our life, and we know that as the Word of God. But it's not just a mirage. It's not just something that we say, hey, this sounds good, but it's what we dedicate our life to. It's what we chase after God and say, this is your truth. This is the most important thing in my life. I will meditate on it day and night. How do I implement this into my family? Where this becomes so real in my heart, it's like a fire that I can't put out. And that's what Paul is saying here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. <clears throat> when then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Now listen, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. What brought him the true joy? What made Paul unshakable is that he knew that he had to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because whenever we proclaim that gospel, we proclaim the truth. There sure is a lot of wisdom in Scripture in there. And when we proclaim that scripture, we see truth going out. We see truth in salvation. King David, in Psalms 51 and 12, many of us know the story. He went out on the, on the terrace, and he looked down, and he saw a woman bathing. And then that turned into a love affair. And then that turned into he killed um, Bathsheba's husband. And then he did all these things to cover it up, and there were grave consequences for covering up his sin. And let me tell you, there are still grave consequences for covering up sin in our life. But he covered up that sin. And as he goes back and he repents in Psalms 51 and 12, this is, he, he says this, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Even he knew that there was something about salvation that brought a joy that you cannot buy, that brought a joy that you can't just get from somebody. You can't get it from a book. You can't get it from a bank account or an education. There is one thing that you can get the true joy from, from the salvation of God. And whenever something creeps into your house or to your life and it begins to separate you and you get off of the joy that is unshakable we find ourselves in that point where we're saying what's going on we look at david and we learn from him and say god what's in my way i'm missing some joy here because when everything else shifts your love doesn't shift your joy 
doesn't shift in the midst of it, I can have it. Now, why do we want to be around those people who share in this unshakable, unshakable truth? These people who say, hey, I want to go deeper. One of the things is that whenever you're into unshakable faith, it really lifts your maturity. It lifts your faith in Christ. Immaturity, listen, immaturity of a believer kills the joy that God intended us to be full of. Okay? We have to grow and mature. Now listen, once again, we really believe this around here. And I say this quite often because we, we get excited when new believers come in. We get excited when all different people from walks of life are in. And we describe it as a pool. You start in the shallow end and we want to get you to the deep end. But there has to be some tread that's going. I'm working towards the deep end. I want to be mature in my faith. And Paul is saying this. In, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 25, he says this. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Your progress and joy. See how he connects the two? Maybe one of the things, if you're saying, man, I'm just not experiencing this unshakable joy. I don't know. Let me ask you, are you progressing in your faith? Is your Bible dusty? Have, when's the last time you got down and really prayed through and said, God, there's some things in my life and, it, 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 and God will send stuff your way to help you do that. I stole a prayer from Pastor Mike, and he says it quite often. Back in the early days of the church, he said he'd get down on his knees and say, God, this is your church. It's not my church. I'm trying to lead it, but I need you to help. You know? I, I stole that prayer. I got down on my knees in the office, got my face in that chair, and I said, God, I'm a part of leadership. This is your church. It's not my church. We need some things to happen, God. I need you to do some things for us because we're trying to do what you want us to do. Ten minutes later, the phone rang, and guess what? We were able to progress. But I had to go back, and I had to remember where my joy is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So, God, I'm going to go back to that place where I can't do it alone. I need your help. Don't, people, people that struggle in maturity, the reason why we want to be around these, these people that, that, that desire maturity it's so that the fullness of joy that Christ promised us, it's not only something we desire, but it's something that we can see modeled. Does that make sense? It, it, we see around people who want to mature, and it becomes so important to them, and then we hook up with those people. And trust me, having an example is a really good thing. When you're doing it all by yourself and trying, it is a very tough situation. But whenever you have somebody that you can model after, and I want you to look around, you don't have to be by yourself. There's some great people in here that are steadfast, that love the Lord. And you get hooked up with them and you say, okay, I want to be a part of that unshakable person because I know they're embedded in unshakable truth and I want to mature and grow. Whenever Jesus is talking in John chapter 15, 11, and he says that, that, that his joy may be in us and it may be full, two different times he refers in those 11 verses there and he says this, much fruit much fruit he never designed us just to be there just to look like we're growing but he wants us to produce and, and if we're in him and we abide in him it's not little that we produce it's the ability to produce much fruit and he there's even and read those verses there's even an expectation that it's much fruit because listen we have the king of kings and the lord of lords on our side okay we have the great unshakable god we have the source that we need we get around those people who are mature and those people who really have that unshakable truth in their life, it is great because they, see, they work so hard to get past petty issues. Have you ever had something petty in your life that's robbed you of your joy? 
I just can't believe they said that to me. Then you think about it. I've done that. You know, have, how many of you guys ever practiced conversations before you have them? Oh, got guilty, right? You want to confront something, and you're just sure they're going to reject you, so you're practicing. This is going to be my rebuttal. This is going to be my defense, and you waste hours and hours. And then you go to that person, they're like, man, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. You're like, man, I wasted all that time practicing for nothing, you know? And it was really something petty, but by the time you talked yourself through it, it became a, a mount, and you're like, oh, and you wasted all that time. Mature people in the faith, bounce some of those off of them and say, hey, this is my issue with that person, and be ready for this. They can look at you and say, get over it. <laughs> Don't waste time on that. That ain't going to matter in a week, a month, a year. Good Lord, you know? But if you don't have a model, if you don't have example, if you don't have those people that have the unshakable truth in their life, and we don't, and that's what Paul is saying. Listen, wherever the gospel is preached, we know that's the unshakable truth. And get around those people, and we strive that. So our Bibles don't get dusty. We know that we get down on our knees and we ask God to come into our life. We raise our hands in worship, and we try to push into that place of maturity that the Holy Spirit can speak to us at any time, in any situation, we can, we can respond. And listen, this is the great news. He wants to restore your joy. If you're in here this morning, you say, Matt, you just don't understand. I feel beat down. I don't feel like I can do it anymore. I've got great news because you can, and God is on your side, and he wants to restore that unshakable joy in your life and you know what it is because you had it at one time but something might have crept in it might have been in your control or out of your control but somehow it's taken the focus and this morning we can solve this and as we end here on number four we see something that becomes extremely important we see this unshakable confidence so we see that we we're, we're in an unshakable god we see that we have this unshakable strength and this unshakable joy inside of us, and we want to be around people that have an unshakable confidence in them. Paul is once again writing to the Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 through 19. He says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. You see the confidence? He's writing to his people and he's saying, listen, you must have this unshakable confidence in your God. You must realize what Christ is saying, that he's not going to take you into a situation that he will not deliver you out of. But he's so gracious and merciful, we get ourselves into some situations that we need to be delivered from. And guess what? God won't leave you there or reject you as long as we come back for repentance and we say, God, what are you trying to do with my life? Where have I messed up? I come back to you and I ask you for help. And in the world that we live in, there's going to be some situations that we're not going to get ourselves into. And the, the natural inclination is that I can do it by myself. And part of that reason is because we have a hard time with privacy, don't we? We don't really want to let anybody in and say, hey, this is really what I'm struggling with. These are really the marital problems I'm having. Or these are really the problems that I'm having raising my kids. Or these are really the issues that I have. I'm trying to be a better father, trying to be a better, um, trying to be a better husband. I'm trying to be a better wife or a better mother. But this is where I'm struggling. But whenever we go in with confidence, the scripture puts it like this, that we could boldly approach the throne of God. 
So there's a boldness about us. It's because we found out it's not about us. It's not about what I say, but I'm approaching a God who loves me through Jesus Christ. That Christ gave his life and his grace. So no matter what situation or circumstance I'm in, I can go in with confidence and knowing that he'll help me out. David was a murderer. Lost a child and God still forgave him. And later on there was things written about him like he's a man after God's own heart. God won't leave you and he'll restore you. But what deliverance that you need, you have to be absolutely real with. And if God leads you to a position and to a situation, and in Paul's case, even in chains, through this God's going to deliver me. Well, how's that going to happen, Paul? I don't know. I can't see it. I can't taste it, I can't feel it, and I haven't heard it. But you've got to understand the confidence that I have in my God because it's an unshakable confidence. And he's writing to people, he's saying, listen, this is the confidence you need. And he's writing to people not because they're going to experience anything different than what he's experiencing. They will at some point. They will be called to the carpet on things and it will cost them great things. And he's saying, listen, you want to have that unshakable confidence. Why? Because hopelessness, man, hopelessness always kills the joy. Whenever we don't have hope and we don't think there's a way out, we just almost stay stagnant and stay put where we are. And in that place of hopelessness is a very dangerous place because when we don't think there's any hope, then we grasp at all kinds of things we don't need to be grasping for. We lean into things that we should never lean into. We ask for things that we should never be asking for things. And on top of that, we settle for situations and even people that we should never be settling for. But we're hopeless. So what do we do? We turn that confidence around, but the only way to do that is to build that confidence. And we know we build it through the Word of God, and we build it through prayer. We build it through getting around people. This last week has just been a really—it's been an amazing week. But it's—it's—it's—we've been running a lot, doing a lot of stuff. Um, We're excited about the school. We're excited about the growth in the church, and it's been awesome. We were talking this morning in the office, and some of the problems we have are good problems. They're, they're, they're not all problems that you have are good or bad. Some of them we have are, are great. We got to figure out how to extend this classroom or do this or, or hire this person, and we love it. But nonetheless, it takes that energy and it takes that. And sometimes you can be like, man, what in the world was I thinking? Have you ever thought that? <laughs> but you know that God's in the midst of it, so you do it anyways. And I don't know your situation or circumstance, but I want you to know just believe that God has brought you to where He's brought you and He's going to help you. But you've got to surround yourself and build your confidence. And it's not as hard as we think. Last week, a couple confidence boosters for me didn't last any longer than a couple minutes. Just a couple conversations, a couple people walked into my office and said, it's going to be all right, Matt, we're going to keep on trucking. I had a conversation from the youth building out here to my car that was parked in this parking lot, a two-minute conversation. And the gentleman looked at me and said, we believe in you, it's going to be all right, we're doing it right. I had a text message that said, thank you for being a part of the team. We're glad for it. So don't think anything small is too small because it could be the right words at the right minute, especially whenever we become that unshakable people that God has designed us to be because we stand on that unshakable joy and we know that he's in the midst of it and he is our strength. So we will go back and we will give words of encouragement and lift each other up because the walk of God is not always easy. And to do things right... It's usually not easy. (laughs) Many times to do things the right way, you're going to have to do them the hard way. Thank God for the easy times, but God, we realize that you're taking us through something. And here he's saying, listen, you are my deliverance. Why do we want to be around these people with that unshakable confidence? They seem to have such a knack for unplanned obstacles. 
I love being around people who have the experience in ministry, people who have the experience in faith, people who have the experience that Christ has delivered them over and over and over again. Because I'll go up to them and ask them questions, and they're like, oh, Matt, that ain't nothing. It's a big thing right now, but you wait four or five years from now, you won't even be worried about it. Because they've already been there and they've already seen that. For me, it's something that pops up and trips me up. And now I'm worried and I might have anxiety or fear or frustration or anger. But you get around those guys and they're like, ah, psh, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And it almost makes you angry. You know, like, why can't I be that way? Well, experience is a good teacher. <laughs> you take your time. You know, been through some things, done some stuff, unplanned obstacles, bills, work issues, health issues, family issues, heartbreaks. And then we see the words of Peter, what do we do? Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. First Peter 5 and 7. The J.B. Phillips translation says this, cast all your cares upon him because you are his personal concern. So you get around those people who have that unshakable confidence and they say, remember, God's in the midst of this. He's going to take you through it. You don't know how. You don't understand. It's not going to feel like it. But trust me, if you'll keep walking with him, you're going to get out on the other side of this and say, there is no way that any of that should have happened. But because I serve an unshakable God and I have this unshakable joy in my life that despite what I'm going through, I know that he will be with me. These unshakable people who have unshakable confidence... They have that joy that's unshakable. It's amazing how generous they can be. It really is. If you want to open up the world of generosity in your life, start building that confidence in Christ. Start getting some of that unshakable confidence. Begin to sow seed into the kingdom of God. And the generosity of folks is amazing. And many times when we talk about generosity, our mind floats automatically to some sort of monetary thing like money or resources. But one of the things that people are the stingiest with, and I love you guys, and I love, I love myself, but one of the things that we're the stingiest with is time. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing that we won't get back. And that's something that we ask ourselves, God, whenever I, I, I give this time, or I give these resources, or I give this money, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for the glory of you. And the people that have been around, they will tell me time and time again, and they'll tell you time and time again, you can trust God. You can trust him with your time. You can trust him with your resources. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him because he will repay. But it's those people who have that unshakable confidence in their life. This is where we'll end at here, Philippians 2, chapter 17, or verse 17 and 18. This is Paul. He's... He's not finishing up the letter, but he's bringing them to a point, and he says this, Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 24, he says this, As preachers, as pastors, he's talking about a leader. He says, We work with you for your joy. And he brings to a point that his confidence in Christ he says, I don't know if I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering. I don't know if my life will be taken. And later on, we know that it is. But he says, this is the thing that I know. Whether it's taken for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and it's taken to build your faith, I can trust God. 
Can you imagine getting a letter and being with, with the Philippians and you're in your homes or you're gathered up in your church and you have all these things that's oppressing you and then you get a letter from your leader that says, listen, I want to build your confidence. I want you to have that unshakable confidence and know that Christ, whether you give your life for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, somebody takes it or you give it in time or whatever you give it, that you can trust God. And you can imagine their confidence going around. But it's harder to walk in that unshakable faith than sometimes we realize. That unshakable joy in the midst of whatever God has called us to go through. In the midst of past failures and circumstances, tragedies, heartbreaks. That in that moment, God, I will trust you. I will have that joy in my life that I know that I can count it all joy. Like Paul said, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. God, I will rejoice again and again and again and again. I know I don't understand the circumstance. I know I don't agree with it. I know that I didn't ask for it, but I will rejoice. And whenever we open up our hearts to that kind of joy and open up our hearts to that unshakable God, we'll see that unshakable joy in our life that creates that firm foundation that in the midst of what we're going through, we know that we can trust Him. Would you bow your heads with me? In this moment, God, our hearts are bowed. And I don't know what everybody's been through, but I know that you know. The heartbreak, the loss, the tragedy. And then at times, just you're pushing us to be full of your joy. You're pushing us onward to progress. You're pushing us onward to expand the kingdom because that's what you've called us for. So, Father, we... We come to you in a moment of silence. In this moment right now, God, and you know the situation that we're in, and I pray, Father, for the ones who need the joy restored in their life. That joy that woke them up in the morning, not just mere momentary happiness, but that happiness that's a part of joy that gets us out of bed in the morning, that makes us say, we're glad we come into the house of the Lord. We're glad to be married to whoever we're married to. We're glad to be the parents and the grandparents. We're glad to be in a position, Father, and our hearts rejoice. That our hearts don't rejoice when circumstances merely line up or situations. But God, that deep, unshakable joy that only you can supply that gives us strength, that gives us direction, that gives us hope. Father, as we bow our hearts in this moment, we know that it begins with you as an unshakable, sovereign God. To really truly walk into joy that the world can't offer, that friends can't offer, that family can't offer, that's only truly found in you. It starts with you and it starts at the cross with the heart that's surrendered towards you. Father, as we pray in this moment, and I know that Christians are praying all over, if there be anybody on the other side of that device that they're streaming by, or anybody in the room, the God that would be at that point where that's where I've got to start, that they would bring themselves, God, to you because you're a loving, gracious God, and they surrender their lives to you. Say, God, I want that unshakable joy, but I know that it starts with you as my Savior. So I want to commit my life to you and come into my life and 
let me hide myself in you. And for anyone who's contemplating that decision, God, that your Holy Spirit would draw them near. And that God, that they make that decision and that choice and they grow in it, God. For the Christian that's in here, God, that could be facing multiple situations where they need joy. They need just a little bit more joy. That unshakable joy that pulls them through. Father, if there's been some sort of separation in their life, something's crept in, that, Father, this morning they would take the mature stance and say, God, what do I need to get out of my house? What do I need to get out of my life? If there's something that's connected there, God, it's worth it to get rid of it. And, Father, you will restore that joy in their life. Their feet on a firm foundation. We don't have to walk in that life. We can walk in a life of hope and deliverance. Father, as many people, God, offer that up to you today, whether it be sin or a distraction, just something, God, a tragedy, they give that to you. And Father, we know that you're going to work a miracle in their life. Would you stand up with me all across the auditorium? This is what I'd like to do this morning, if it's okay. I'm going to need your, your help in this. Our, our prayer team here in a second are going to move up to the front because we want anybody that has special prayer to, to know that we're here and we want, to, we want to pray for you. And what we mean by that is maybe you just need to grip hands with somebody and believe with the believer. We want you to know that we're here. But if you could use some joy restored in your life, if you could use a little bit more joy, and it doesn't matter the reason, because you're walking down here doesn't mean you're a sinner, doesn't mean you have that. It just means maybe you face some stuff and you want to redirect that. You want to make sure your heart's open to that unshakable joy and say, God, I know that you can restore it. You know what I've been through. You know my heartaches for this person or this situation. So here I am, God, restore that joy in my life. I'm going to ask you just to come forward and just to stand out here. And we're going to believe with you that God will restore that. Prayer team, would you come forward? And if that's you, just move from your seats. You want to restore that joy? Come down to the front. You know that you need more joy. As they move, you go ahead and move. Come down here to the front. We want to give you time. We want to circle with you and pray with you. Amen. We want to give you time. Yes. Yes. You're very courageous. You're being those unshakable people. It's hard to make that first move, but we want you to know that we're on your side. We'll wait for you. Come on down. You can stand here in the middle. You can leak hands with somebody. And don't worry, you're not going to be alone because here in a second, we're going to surround you with just loving people who just want to put their arm on your shoulder. Some of my prayer partners, some of you Christians that just love to come up and pray. Would you move from your seats? Find somebody. Lay your hand on their shoulder. We don't want anybody to be alone. If you're more comfortable in your seat, we understand that. Maybe grab the hand of your neighbor and say, God can bring it back. Yeah, we want to give you time. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It's so great to know that you've got somebody that's going to walk with you. Oh, they're still coming. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, in this moment, as we surround our friends, as we surround family, God, we're, we're believing for them, God, that you're going to restore that joy, God, that joy unspeakable. And they'll be able to say the same thing that Paul wrote, that I will rejoice again and again and again, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, God. But it's that pure joy, that holy joy, that unshakable joy that only comes from an unshakable God. So unshakable God, hear our cries for our friend. That friends, God, that you, by your grace and mercy, God, would implement that joy in their life, God. Whatever they're getting rid of, God, whatever they're bringing to you, God, that they leave at the altar, God, and they return differently, God. And that joy of their salvation, God, that joy of hope and happiness, God, that joy of deliverance, God, is reestablished in their life, God. We believe you for it, Jesus. We thank you for what's happening at the altar in the seats, God, right now for the people that are called your sons and daughters that are believing. We're believing for that unshakable joy in the world that shakes and the God that shakes us as Christians that the growth is going to help us, that the stretching is going to help us, that we don't have to fear or doubt. We lay that things at your feet, God. Oh, Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're accomplishing at the altar. Thank you that we get to stand with our friends and our family. Thank you, God, that we stand with our friends and family who are in the pews, God, who are on the other side of the camera, God. Thank you for restoring that joy, that pure joy. Father, thank you for what you've done this morning, for your grace and your mercy, God. What you've bestowed, God. We're walking away from this place knowing that we are different, God. The hope and the deliverance is restored, God. Oh, thank you for the walk being stronger, the maturity that's happening, Father. The willingness to grow in you. Thank you for the hope and the love. God, as we go out this next week, it's the same prayer, God, that your face would shine upon us, that we would go out and do the work that you've called us to do with that unshakable joy from an unshakable God. Thank you for these wonderful people. Let us go out and do what you've called us to do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.